It can be scary when you think about how much of our so-called personal and confidential information is actually accessible in so many places and by so many different people and organizations. You need to learn what's being done with this information and how to keep yourself secure. Welcome to My Connected Life with Tyler Cohen Wood. When you're in control of your data in cyberspace, you feel all the more secure. Now, here's your host, Tyler Cohen Wood. Welcome to My Connected Life. I'm your host, Tyler Cohen Wood. Which do you think is scarier, losing your smartphone or your wallet? Well, we'll go into that because we're going to talk about mobile device hacking and keeping it private. Did you know that mobile devices now account for more than 60% of digital fraud from phishing attacks to stolen passwords? And one in 36 mobile devices has what's considered a high-risk app installed. So how do we protect our smartphones from being an easy target to hackers and also protect our privacy so that we keep our data in our hands? Today, we have special guests and YouTube stars from Pay It Forward with David and David, a.k.a. David Payette and David Lynch. They have almost 1 million subscribers on their YouTube channel, Pay It Forward, with with over 108 million views. Thank you guys for joining us. We're going to have a lot of fun with this episode. Absolutely. That is the plan. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was quite an intro, too. I'll cut that out and share it. Yeah, we're going to get that in writing after the fact. (laughs) Well, I'm really excited because... I'm going to go through my phone as you guys are going through the phone, and I'm going to see just how many of these settings that I have improperly set. Hmm. And it's interesting, every time you do an iOS update, we were talking about this just a second ago, iOS 15 just came out. Every time an update happens, some settings that you may have turned off previously get turned back on. And it just so happens that a lot of those are the settings that can compromise personal privacy. Yeah, I think a lot of people too are a a bit afraid of going into the settings app and and changing a whole bunch of things because they think, oh, this might break my phone. It might stop working the way I want it to, which is really not not the case at all. Right. Nothing in the settings app is a permanent thing either. (laughs) It's, It's really funny that you said that because I just got the new update recently and that's exactly what I was thinking. Well, do I turn this on? Because if I turn this on, it could change the way that my phone works. And that drives me crazy. So Absolutely. I am excited let's, to get into Me this. too. Yeah, yep. me too. Shall we dive into the settings app? Or? Yeah, let's pull up the iPhone. Yeah. We also just want to say we do have some tips for Android users too. We'll get to those in a little bit. But Yeah, later on. So today we are using a new camera setup. So if anybody's watching and not just listening, yes. I hope you enjoy. Let's hop over there. All right, here we go. Over the shoulder shot there. How do we look? Looking pretty good. Oh, that looks great. Yeah. Thank you. So open the settings app. We really like to start in privacy. This is kind of where all the big stuff is, privacy. That's where the privacy stuff is. That's where the privacy settings are, typically. All the privacy, Uh, okay. Yeah. So let's tap on tracking. This is a new iOS 15 feature, allow apps to request a track. This is a setting that Facebook absolutely hates. They took out like a full page ad in the New York Times. New York Times, yeah, and other newspapers. I think that Facebook definitely does not like this, they've said that this setting is single-handedly going to take down small businesses, which is a load of crap, of course. Yes. But really what it is, is is Facebook is afraid of losing their advertising revenue, which is the main way that they make money. Facebook, or Meta now. Or yeah, Meta, I was going to say Meta. <laughs> yeah, Meta. meta. And, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's really not going to affect small businesses. And also there have been some recent news stories about how Facebook targeting, and this is kind of unrelated, there's been internal conversations about how it's only about 40% accurate, even though they kind of bill it as 100% accurate. So really, really 40% of the ad spend of, of companies, mm-hmm. of small businesses who they're trying to protect, you know, has been kind of going in the toilet. So I don't really know any small business owners around here anyway that are using Facebook advertising effectively. Interesting. All right, let's hop back in there. Allow apps to request yeah. a track. So when this switch is on, apps can ask if they can track you across multiple apps and other websites. Uh, they're going to pop up first thing you see when you open the app. Can we track you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people make the mistake. They just want to use their apps. They tap sure, 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 yes, allow, and they just blow right through it, and they uh, 
don't realize that they've turned on tracking for these apps. So right now I've got this on for the demonstration of this video. I typically just turn the switch to the top of the screen off, but maybe there's an app that you want. To so I don't know who yeah. actually is going to want to allow apps to request to track, except for Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Well, I mean, me. <laughs> yeah. Right, because I, tracking is giving information to whoever ha owns that app, all kinds of information about you, your device, and... Man, they can put together profiles on people very easily. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think just based on, on the profiles and the information collected, they may very well know you better than you know you. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that may be true. It makes me think of that story from 2012 where the woman, the pregnant teenager... She got that mailer from Target based on her shopping habits, and then her dad sees the mailer and says, wait a minute, my daughter's not pregnant. So he calls Target customer support, and he's like, stop sending me this stuff. It's like, oh, actually, my daughter is pregnant. I, I had said, no sir, idea. have you talked to your daughter? <laughs> yeah. It was crazy, and it wasn't like she was buying uh, baby stuff. It was just based on what she was buying. The algorithms are that good at what they do. They are. Crazy. Amazon too. Amazon knows what we're going to buy before we do, so that's how they can do the one-day shipping. Yeah. They just get everything ready for us. They know when we're <laughs> going to hit the button. It's quite yeah. remarkable. I kind of have to admit I sort of like that part because it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> oh, me too. Yeah, I'm not giving up Amazon anytime soon. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, Amazon I'm looking is, in okay. the, in, in the yeah. privacy settings, and um, I have uh, one... I have one um, app that is allow is allowed to track, and I'm going to turn it off. It is Vimeo. Yes. Well, right. what I'd recommend doing here too is just that switch at the top of the screen. Just go ahead and turn that off, and then ask apps to stop tracking. So now it's turned off for all of them, and then future apps can't even ask you if you want them to be allowed to track. I said that pretty poorly, but we got the point. You got the point. You got yeah, the point got across. The point. <laughs> yeah. I think it was said very. So, beautiful. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I'm a liftless voice here. Yes. So that's kind of the big new iOS 15 setting. There's another new one. So we are beta developers, which means we get to access the software, you know, a little bit ahead of time of everyone else. You're not going to see this in your iPhone right now. But if you scroll down, there's an app. Sorry, should go you back. You might when this comes out in December. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> if you go back to settings, privacy, and scroll all the way down, there is an app privacy report. So on your phone right now, that's just going to look like nothing. Mm -hmm. But for me, and for anyone running iOS 15.2, you've got all this information about how you're being tracked, which websites are being contacted. And you know, if I tap on Angry Birds, you think you're just playing a fun little mobile app. Right. But there's a lot of domains being contacted here, a lot of advertising domains, and it's just it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that is really remarkable. I'm just looking over David's That's here. a lot. It, it really is. It's amazing how much these apps are collecting data like through analytics providers. So that kind of makes sense. People want to know, okay, you know, how fast is my app? So we're talking about new relic people might see for app performance. Google Analytics, used by everybody. And then you get into the the targeting stuff and the ad stuff. And and what I've seen is that most of these sources are actually for advertising and tracking. And so all these ad companies are kind of in cahoots with Facebook and Google at the top of the food chain, and then they all kind of share this tracking data. So your data might be going to 20 different places. You know, we've known about this for websites for a very long time. It's really not that hard to find that piece. And we can show you a cool resource for yep. that in, in just a second. But now we're going to see it for apps. And I think people are going to be kind of blown away by how much their data is getting sent around the internet every time they scroll in Facebook. Exactly. and. And exactly what data, because they can, there's, there's a way to determine based on what you don't say and what you don't like, what your political leanings are, your hobbies, who your best friends are, where you are at any given time, who you're with, what you're likely to have for dinner Saturday night. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, they have teams and rooms full of very smart people whose job it is to profile us because there was that uh, the social network documentary on netflix recently and they said i liked one quote from it it said if you don't know what the product is you're the product we are the product for facebook and facebook is selling us yes <clears throat> so wow. facebook is one of those th i mean what you just mentioned about what they're measuring i think a lot of people think that facebook is only measuring likes is only measuring shares 
but that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. Facebook is measuring everything. It's measuring how long you're looking at a post, whether you clicked on a post, which ones you scroll past. It's all that passive data, all that, that those observations that it's making. Yes. Because I think people can look at it as if Facebook is a person who's always looking over your shoulder. They're just that person who's, and so everything you do, you know, if you're looking over somebody's shoulder, looking at what they're doing on their phone, you can learn some stuff about them. And oh, yes. these Facebook algorithms are, are just as smart as a smart person doing that. So and don't think that there isn't anybody watching. There is. Yeah, the, there is. And it's it, it's also information like um, EXIF data, which is metadata about the camera that took the picture, including the exact geographic location of where that was taken. I mean, <laughs> the the amount of information, the, the, the device that you're using, where you are at any given time, it's really quite quite astounding. Yes, and and whenever a company steps into to block this type of tracking, because like at first it's always just a you know free what do they call it like open season for when when this technology <laughs> comes out they just give away all the data, but then they start paring it down. So then, for instance, instead of Apple exposing the precise model of the iPhone, now people can figure out what the model is based on the screen size, based on the resolution, because they can always read all of that data based on the sites that you're looking at, how big the window is. Same deal with apps. There's just so much data. And I think my favorite example of a way that Facebook can really take advantage of somebody and track them, you know, in spite of their best wishes, is the accelerometer on the phone. So the phone has an accelerometer built in which measures vibrations and, and vibrations and, and motion. And it's incredibly precise. So all this data as you're using Facebook is going to Facebook. It doesn't matter if you have GPS off, everything off. Mm -hmm. The accelerometer is not a protected sensor on the iPhone. So any app can access it all the time. So Facebook is paying attention to this and Facebook wants to know where you're going. Well, somebody else with GPS that has Facebook that does have it turned on is sitting next to you on the bus and you're both in the same bus. So Facebook can say, okay, this person's accelerometer data is exactly the same as this person's accelerometer data. And I know that they're both in the same geographical location based wow. on their friends and stuff. So we can just match that up. Mm. We know that they're on the same bus. We know where they're going. Wow. It, it really is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, if you're in a car with somebody and one person has this GPS turned on, Facebook knows where you are. I, I think that's gonna be a a new setting in an upcoming iOS update where we're actually going to have some control over who can access our accelerometer data. I think it's kind of crazy that it's gone on this long and we've had no control over who can use it. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Is that is that um, I know uh, before COVID, Uber had taken out a patent to calibrate the phone and based on how you type and how you walk, use that to determine if you're intoxicated or not or if. Wow. You're always intoxicated. I, I guess it would tell when you're not intoxicated. I don't know what the status of that is, but I'm assuming that that's that's um, that's kind of how they're doing it. But it, it, it's amazing just how much information is is in these phones. It's it, it's crazy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you can even think of. I mean, exactly what you just said. So there's another thing they can measure is tapping on the screen. Every tap is an event and then programming and. Every tap can be measured, and if taps are erratic, or if, if they're able to establish a pattern of your typing based on you know what happens during the day, and then a pattern of your typing after you come out of the club at night, it'd be very easy for a developer to build some algorithm to, to track whether or not you've had a few drinks. Or absolutely, or you know even if someone else is using your phone, because people have a vocabulary of about twelve to fifteen thousand words. So if suddenly you're using different words or if you're using um, when I text, I don't use punctuation. I just I, I put everything in abbreviations. <clears throat> but, you know, someone like like my husband, he always uses perfect punctuation. So <clears throat> if someone else were to be looking at, you know, what was being typed, they would know that that's probably not me. Or at least I'm sure there are algorithms that could pretty well make that make that assumption. Yeah, uh, there are. Amazon has algorithms for that. So let's look at some more of these settings. Sure. So if we go back to the main privacy page in the settings app, 
here you'll see a whole bunch of native iOS apps, contacts, calendars, reminders, photos, etc. If you just tap on one of these, these are all the apps that can access that certain thing. So if I tapped on photos, for example, these are all the apps that have access to all the photos on my iPhone. Right. Now, do I want an app like Facebook to have access to all the photos on my iPhone? Probably not. Probably not. Typically, what happens is, you know, you want to upload a photo from your phone to Facebook. They ask for access. You upload the one photo, and you kind of just forget about it. I don't even remember the last time I uploaded a photo to Facebook. Right. So If you ever did, yeah. this is probably on, on your phone. Yep. So if you just tap on Facebook, for example, you could do selected photos, then only That's ones... That's new, too. Yeah. So if maybe you just want to upload a couple new. photos, just set, set it to selected photos, or you could also just set it to none, Facebook can never access my photos. Yeah, and then you can always re-enable it if you need to. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things, it's, it's nice that they're getting more granular with this setting. So that Facebook, because it used to be that you could either give permission for, your, you know, for an app to access all of your photos or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of your photos. And then you couldn't use it. <laughs> right. And so all of your photos then could be, you know, uploading in the background. It's, uh, and that's where, um, TikTok got in trouble. It was uh, actually this is it's actually very different. It's not anything <laughs> like that. But TikTok also got in trouble for a setting that that uh, was the copy and paste setting. So yeah. like TikTok, whenever somebody opened the app, would send whatever had been copied to someone's clipboard oh my to goodness. TikTok servers and anything. So if you've ever copied a password to paste it into another app, t- TikTok was getting that password. And there was really no notification. Now at least there's a notification. Yeah. For instance, I opened the Dunkin' Donuts app the other day, and it said Dunkin' Donuts pasted from your clipboard. Now I don't know why <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts pasted something from my uh, clipboard or what I had in the clipboard, but they got it. So it's actually important, I think, for people not to copy and paste passwords. Things like iCloud Keychain are generally okay, mm-hmm. but if you're copying something to the clipboard. Using that copy function, every app that you go into may have access to that. So wow. if it's an address, if it's anything private, you might want to stay away from that copy-paste functionality. That's really good to know. I'm, I, that, that's really good to know. Now all it's, I it's, can think about, by the way, is double chocolate Dunkin' Donuts. Thanks for that. <laughs> I know. You're, you're telling me. You're telling me. I missed my Dunkin' Donuts this morning. Mm. There's always this afternoon. Always Never too late for coffee. (laughs) Never. (laughs) So we're going to go through another setting. Let's go back again to the main page of privacy. And then at the top you see location services. Tap on that. So here you have a list of all the apps that have access to your location. Uh, the, The real scary word to look for here is always. And I don't think I have any always set up right now on my phone, but I could... uh, Set one up. So theoretically, if I went to DraftKings and it was set to always and precise location is on, that would mean that DraftKings, 100% of the time, can access my location and my precise location, which will also drain more battery life. So just a little battery tip for you there. Yeah, free tip. And so what would you want to have it set to? Well, so this is some apps, they need access to your location. DraftKings is a daily fantasy sports app. They need to know that I'm in New York to set legal uh, entries. Right. He's but making legal wagers. Legal wagers. So that would be an example of where I'd want to do while using the app. But there are certain apps, like my bank used to have my location all the time, I think, to send me, you know, here's the nearest ATM. Um, but I don't need my bank to, what, they don't need my location. They sure don't. No, they don't. They definitely don't. And again, don't. like you said, if you turn something off, you can always turn it back on temporarily yeah. and turn it back off. One of our favorite yes. settings is something that we do precisely that with. Shall we... Shall we uh, graduate to the system sure. settings? So if we tap back upper left-hand corner of the screen, and then underneath this gigantic list of apps, you'll see system services. System services. So on your phone right now, there are probably dozens of switches that are turned on. Mm-hmm. Where two dozen. Two dozen. <laughs> <laughs> two dozen. Literally. More tens of switches. Tens of switches. Yeah. Um, but you really don't need to turn pretty much any of these on. You can turn almost all of them off. Right, and so the, everything here has to do with your location. It's in location services, cell network search, for instance, and we are can we can see networking and wireless. Uh, those have a lot to do 
with different configurations in different countries. So for instance, if you're going to a different country, the cellular networks in Spain may be configured differently than they are in the US. However, they are not configured differently in New Jersey than they are in New York or Washington. That is, so that there's is really, there's just no point to having most of these settings turned on because it's unnecessary. And, and you know, Apple Pay Merchant Identification, for instance, that's one that does work. Uh, I mean, it, it works, Apple Pay will know where you are, even if this is turned off. It's just more precise. So a lot of this stuff, we're not 100% sure what it's being used for, but, you know, it's still there. So we, we recommend turning almost everything off. Yep. We like to leave on emergency calls and SOS. That allows you to use emergency SOS. What, and, and just to be clear with that one, too, if you call 911 using your phone and this is off, they will still have your location data. Yes. Because yep. that's a law. But this will supposedly send them more precise location data. And if I'm in an emergency... I'd you like kind of want that as yeah. precise as possible. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, find my iPhone if you use that feature. You yeah. want the switch to be turned on, and then share my location. Another feature not everyone uses share my location, uh, but I do. Especially if you're a parent, you want to know where your kids are and track their location. Through share yep. my location, you'll want to leave that on. But right. we've gotten some pushback for like setting time zone, turning that one off. But if you're not somebody who's traveling time zones a lot. You don't need it on, and right. you can always just flip the switch on if you do happen to travel. Which is what, what I do, Yeah, David does. Turn the- we land at a different time zone, we flip the switch, yeah. and then we turn it off. And really, in that case, for me, it's about battery life. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, setting time zone is like checking a whole lot. Yeah. And location services, I think, is the number one opportunity for people to make up battery life if their phones have been dying faster. So we're talking about privacy, but a lot of these features, we're turning off certain features that are unnecessary on the iPhone, so it has that added benefit of increasing battery life. Wow, that's that's great. You know, I love what you said also about that always is probably a setting that you never want. <laughs> never. Never. I can't think of it, an instance. No. Even Even stuff like, you know, Google Maps. I don't need Google Maps to know where I am when I'm sitting at home. Mm-hmm texting somebody at night i only want them to know and they say okay we want to be able to give you the best service possible by identifying where your home is and so we're just going to keep track of you everywhere you go and we're going to just you know use it to to give you a tailored customized experience and as soon as they start talking tailored customized to you i start thinking advertising i start thinking that they can sell my location data and then sell it to local businesses probably or or bigger businesses that can then target me yes absolutely and know who you're with who you're around i mean there's it's it's a it's interesting i think that people would be surprised if we looked at this is a quick little diversion we can come back here if we looked at this website called builtwith.com we have it pulled up right here on david's computer and this is a website that will tell you specifically what technologies are running in the background of websites that you visit all the time. So it's kind of like wow. a web version of a tracking report. Shall we pick a website? Give me, give me a website. How about ESPN? ESPN.com. We have not tested this, so maybe they're doing great. So if we scroll down <laughs> a little bit, Adobe Test and Target. Yeah, okay. So like Marketing Cloud. So they're using Adobe products. And then dynamic tag management, Adobe Analytics, Gravity Insights, d- DoubleClick Floodlight. As soon as you see DoubleClick, that's Google Advertising. Comscore is another uh, first-party or third-party cookie uh, tracking software that keeps track of specifically who you are. Facebook Domain Insights is Facebook Advertising. Nielsen, Moat, Google Conversion Tracking, Facebook Pixels. They can track who you are. New Relic is is. Uh, I mean, we could just go on and I mean, on. This, and this on. is a, on and this, on. You see, I mean, this is unbelievable. AOL, reseller. I mean, these are all, look at this. They're all ad networks. They're all ad networks here, yeah. Yeah. So you load one web page and all of your data just went to all these places. Right. It, it's, <clears throat> it's just remarkable how much. Because the advertisers, of course, website owners, they want to make as much money as possible. As, yeah. and, and that makes sense. But at the same time, you know, this is why websites are slowing down. For the record, like, you know, you're on your phone and a website that used to load quickly yeah. isn't loading. Well, 
maybe it's because there's a hundred different things that are happening in the background and they're just selling you. Wow. You know, I, I heard a statistic. I just, I just couldn't believe this where um, of all of the data collected, only 20 or 30% of it is even being used. So that means there's just these pools of data that's just being collected that companies don't even know what to do with because there's just so much data. I believe the well, term we're is the, yeah. data paradox. Well, we're kind of one of those companies. So as much as we're pointing this out, we run websites that get millions of viewers every month, payitforward.com, iPhone help, upphone.com, cell phone comparison stuff. Yes. And we have Google Analytics set up. And so we're tracking, we can't track specifically where people are, but we can by zip code. That's how Google Analytics works, free tool. Every website runs it. Yep. We also run something called Quantcast. This is not data that we ever take the time to look at because we're kind of too small of a team to be able to look this closely at something. We're like more broad strokes right now in, this, in our development. But Quantcast can show you specifically what the people on your website are interested in based on their behavior across other websites. And this is a free tool. So we can tell that our people are more interested in Volkswagens than they are in BMWs and political leanings. And we can tell this at a macro level because all these tools that website owners can use are available for free sort of in the macro level. But then as soon as you want to start seeing specifically what individuals like, then you're paying $50,000 a month for right. Google Analytics 360. So yeah, it has to, I mean, these are just things that we kind of have as a matter of course, but speaking to your point about these giant data lakes, we certainly have one, but we don't do anything with it. It's just something yeah. that, but you know, God knows if Google is, because Google is probably also tracking the people on our website. It's just as a small Absolutely. business, as a website owner, we have to make money, and it's yes. part of it's part of the game. Um, can't make money without it. Yeah, so so you have to utilize the tools, and you know the tools are being utilized when you go to a site, but you you have to ex accept some sort of giving up privacy to be able to use those sites. But, you know, making some of these changes on your smartphone or even on your computer help protect you just a little bit more and, and help you to be less of a target. Because even if you're using browsers that, um, that are incognito, there's still ways of determining who you are, such as um, OS fingerprinting or um, even browser fingerprinting, where you have specific configurations set up on your browser that is a determination that that is you is pretty easily made because that configuration is specific to you. Yes, and there are certain, uh, like privacy.net has a, a analyzer that people can run to see specifically all this data that the companies can use, that can see about you every time you visit a website on, on any device. And it's pretty amazing. And then all it takes is some smart people to figure out these correlations between, okay, yeah, this uh, every iPhone 11 user has this screen size and they're running this version of Safari. And so then we can put them all into a bucket. Yep. And I think that a lot of the things that we're talking about here, there, there's always gonna be some level of, of knowing who's on a website. Because it's kind of whenever somebody goes to a website, it's like they're visiting the post or, or they're getting mail like from the post office. So like the you send a request to a server and then the server has to know where to send it back to. So it has to be able to route it back to you to your computer. And that involves addresses. You could use yes. VPNs to put a middleman in there and, and obscure yep. all of that. And I think that you probably know a lot more about this than I do. With your background, well, don't you? Well, well, well yeah, I, I have an interesting uh, DOD spooky intelligence background. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, there there are plugins. Um, I know that that Chrome has a plugin that will change um, what your browser looks like, so every time it appears as if you're someone new or something else. That's smart. Very smart. Maybe we I could know. drop a we should drop a link to that. Yeah. In uh, in your podcast. Yeah, that's a so, great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I like to. I, sometimes we we try to like drop a link. It's it's very helpful. I we'll also drop a link to the builtwith.com thing if we can. Yep. Not to uh, take over your link section, but <laughs> there's some just some some cool little fun resources that can really be kind of eye opening. I just imagine somebody's looking over my shoulder, 
as I'm as I'm surfing the web. And, I, I like that. I like that analogy a lot. And now now we've also got software like Hotjar, which is a tool that website owners can use to specifically see where you're moving your mouse and what you're clicking on and how long they actually and Microsoft Clarity is a new one that just came out. They're essentially, you know, destroying Hotjar by offering all of their premium services for free. So regardless of that, they have a section when you start to look at it called Rage Clicks, where you can measure specifically who's frustrated on your website algorithmically by if they're clicking over and over again in a specific place. <laughs> um, so these companies have figured out if you know your mood based on your scrolling, based on your clicking, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it blew my mind when I saw that. Yes. I, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I'm kind of at a loss for words. <laughs> that, yeah. Well, me too. But that's just because I, I get sidetracked a lot. I, I'm always thinking of all these different things. That's why I have David L. Mm. He stays right on track. Yeah. Focused. <laughs> you want to look at some more settings on the phone? We yeah, let's talk to. about uh, significant locations. That's right below your what? system services. There's. So if you're still there, significant locations, these used to be called frequent locations. And then I think Apple had an internal meeting and said, hey, that sounds really creepy. That sounds so creepy. Let's change it to significant. <laughs> you got a face ID in there. I just turned it on for the purposes of this video. I always leave this off. I get really uncomfortable when I see a list of all the places I've been recently. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> I mean... And I wanted to ask you this specifically. Apple says that significant locations are end-to-end -end encrypted and cannot be read by Apple. Should that just totally disarm an average consumer, or is there still something people should be worried about there? Well, I never say that something is 100% anything because there's always a way. And, I mean, that way could simply be, you know, you're walking by um, a coffee shop and, you have your settings on your phone to always auto-join any unsecured Wi-Fi or auto-join any hotspots. Um, you end up in a situation where someone's running an insecure, a, a malicious uh, uh, gateway, and they're now they they can now root your phone. They can update it or do whatever they want, and now they have access to your phone. Mm -hmm. And shall we talk about, want to head over to Wi-Fi settings and talk yeah, about sure. that? Yeah, sure. So just turn off that significant location switch at the top of the screen is what we recommend mm -hmm. doing. If we go back to the very main page of settings all the way, up at the top you'll see Wi-Fi. So we get a couple of things here. Ask to join networks. No networks will be joined automatically. If no, no networks are available, you'll be asked before joining a new network. If you tap on that, you can, uh, you can set this to off or notify. If you really just don't want to be joining those free public Wi-Fi networks automatically, yeah, I would just no switch way. that to off yeah. and yeah. just eliminate the possibility of it even happening by accident. Yeah, I think that's yes. definitely the right move. Mm -hmm. when, when you were working in, in you worked in DoD, right? So mm -hmm. did, was there a lot of this Wi-Fi? Did you, did you see this type of a man-in-the-middle attack happen? There, there, there was, yes, there was some of that. Um, there were, you know, stingrays. I know there's, there's right. back then, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, you didn't really know if you were put on some other network that you didn't necessarily want to be on. But now there's a lot of tools and there's a lot of ways that you can make that determination. But just by making those changes to that phone, that's going to go a long way. The, the sure. not auto joining and not um, the, the Wi-Fi or uh, hotspots. Yeah. Yeah. If we just tap back upper left hand corner of the screen, one below that, there's the auto join hotspot. Just set that to never two, and then you won't automatically join hotspots. Yeah. One of the things that I, I always found interesting was that for unsecured hotspots, it's the phone would connect based on the name of the hotspot. So if somebody had a router called Linksys, mm. then somebody else might have that same router, and then the phone just hops right on it. And I think that's why it's so important to have... And I mean, I think that's still the case. I, I believe it is, too. Yeah. So it's really important to have a Wi-Fi password at home. Because if you don't, and you have a, the same... Anybody else can make a Wi-Fi network with the same network as yours, and then their devices are... You know, your device is just going to hop on that network when they have a chance. And it's very important to have the most recent security on a Wi-Fi router. And Apple has done better at 
having these insecure connection warnings pop up and then linking to a website. But I still think that it's a very technical concept for most people to go into a Wi-Fi router and change security, for instance, from WEP to WPA2 or 3. Because people are, you know, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. But one thing they can do, and I, 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 I mean, I, I highly recommend this, is change any default passwords. There are mm-hmm. lists of known passwords, and hackers will try these often. So you change that password to something very complex. Yes. And so let me ask you, as a security expert, do you use different passwords for every single website? Because I, I certainly don't. <clears throat> I've how do you, how do you better- handle that? Yeah, I actually right. use a password manager. Yeah, it's it, it's the only way. Otherwise, I I have um, I, there's no way you can remember it. I mean, I try using tricks sometimes. Um, like I think of a phrase that you know no one would know. Like you know, I don't know. I love chickens. I think they're cute. And you just take like the first letter. You you put in some letters and you use that phrase, but. After a while, I mean, we have all have so many accounts and so many passwords that it's really hard to to remember that. And, you know, now with multi-factor authentication um, on pretty much any site that you, you go to, you know, that's another option that you should pretty much always use. And that's where you use different methods of authentication, like a password, something you know, maybe your face or a fingerprint, something you are. Or, um, you know, something you have, like a token. And that's what happens when you go to your social media sites and you use the multi-factor authentication. They send a code to your phone. You copy it from your clipboard, which we don't do. We're not, never going to do anymore. We just learned <laughs> I, that. I'm, yeah. I'm, st- I'm going to still do that, I think, though. I'm not, I'm not typing in those codes anymore by manually. I just figured out that I could copy it from the clipboard on my phone and just paste it on my computer. I'm going to ride that out for a while. Oh my gosh! Well, I was listening. I was listening to your podcast uh, the other day with the guys from the dark talking about the dark web, and they were talking about two-factor authentication. And I thought to myself, I I can count on one hand the number of people that I know who have two-factor authentication set up on their their iPhone or Android. People just don't do it, and I think part of it is because it's kind of buried in the settings app. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's really easy to turn on. It can go a long way to helping. It, it is a, it is for Apple stuff, but it's also really confusing for certain people. And then there's different types of two-factor authentication, mm-hmm. right? So there's the text yes. message kind, which to me doesn't seem very secure at all. Somebody could just run off with your phone and or you know, sim see the notification. Or mm-hmm. sim swap. I never even thought That's of that. That's a really good idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> this could, this whole thing. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah. That's a great idea. Jeez. So um, have, anyway, let me get my notebook out. Start yeah. <laughs> How else can I hack into my friend's phones, Tyler? That's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk after. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's perfect because I got some people. I I just uh, that's an amazing yeah. So <laughs> you just you you must know all the tricks. What were we talking about? Two factor. Two factor. So two factor. I don't think the the text messaging is a good idea because of the sim swapping, and it sounds like the worst video game ever. Like the Sims and you're swapping. Oh, gotcha. It's great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't think that that uh, is, is, uh, is very secure. So then we've got all these other authenticator Email. apps. Like I use one called uh, Authy, which is A-U-T-H-Y. And I have maybe 10 different websites in it where we have oh. to, I have to type in a six-digit code or whatever. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of a pain in the butt. But... You know, it's. I'd rather have that on. I think that that is the most concerning piece of running the business that I run, that we run, is for me something getting hacked. Yes. It, it is the number one concern because if you know the, the amount of even with backups, for instance, with YouTube, uh, it's they're not very good at letting you make a backup at all. If you delete a video, you delete the video. Period. I'm sure that there are ways, you know, that they make exceptions in certain cases, but the amount of damage somebody can do by just getting access and changing a few things is remarkable. I mean, we have backups of websites and stuff, but still it would be a massive undertaking to to figure out when it happened and roll it all back and wipe everything. Yeah. You know, a question that I get all the time is, um, and, and this is this is something that's very important to me too, and that's that's keeping our kids safe when they're online, um, mm. you know, David, you had mentioned you have kids. 
how would you set up the we, no? Neither of us do have I, kids, did, but I, it was an example about the share my location. Sorry, I don't have any kids. I'm oh. sorry too, because yeah. they'd be, you know, they'd be really, yeah, some special. Okay, well, so guess you're, what? You're, we have an yeah. announcement. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> what What would you? What is the? What are like the the top three things that you would really recommend to parents when they're setting up their their child's first phone? Yeah. Well. Screen time and restrictions give parents a lot of control over what their kids can actually do. Let's dive in there. So, so settings on your iPhone, yeah. and then to screen time. Screen time. Boom. Oh, yeah, let's go a little faster so nobody can see what. Well, we're I just you, you turn. You gotta turn it off okay, first. Okay. So if you go to uh, a. <laughs> so this is how my. This is what happens when the podcast is long enough. My yeah. personality starts to leak out. Right. So. For example, if you want your kid only to be able to do 15 minutes of Snapchat, for example, you can come in here, add a limit. I don't have Snapchat on my phone, but you know, <laughs> you could select an app, and then you get to use it for 15 minutes a day. Add. And now, there you go. See, we'd be great parents. Yeah. I mean, there's the number one tip for parents, I think, right there. 15 minutes a day 15 on Snapchat. 15 minutes a day. That's it. <laughs> But if you really want to like just prevent them from seeing things, you could also go back to screen time and then tap on content and privacy restrictions. Then right. all of a sudden, if you go to allow apps, allowed apps, you can just you know turn off pretty much whatever you want. Yeah, you can turn off the camera, you can turn off FaceTime. And what's cool about screen time now is with the family sharing with Apple, you can manage all this stuff remotely as well. So sort of keep an eye on your kids from your phone and what they're doing. So you can turn off, you know, this is how you turn off the ability to install new apps, for instance, or yeah. or the camera and, and actually restrict some of the sensors that we've talked about. Yes, yeah, so you can come in here, iTunes and App Store purchases, tap on installing apps and then just don't allow and now your kid can't install anything. Right. And now they're really confused where did the App Store go yeah. and then they come to our website yeah. to find the answer. <laughs> what happened to the App Store? Your Apple ID is, yeah. David's getting pop-ups. Getting pop-ups on my phone because I set this up. Yeah. yeah. So are there any other restrictions in here we want to talk about? Um... I mean, there's always allowed, you, you know, you always want to be able to, to, I guess, the phone, you can't turn it off, but you always want them to have access to messages, so you, yeah. I suppose. Uh, so in the health app, too, I would think, and this really isn't yes, as much of a good. privacy thing, but maybe we should head over to, uh, like, setting emergency contacts. So, so I go to health? I, th I think that's where you go. Tyler, can you help us out? Tyler, <laughs> do you have kids? Um, I, I have, my child's a two-year-old miniature schnauzer. Oh, <laughs> <they> <laughs> I have a couple of 18-month-old cats that Aww. would love your dog, I'm sure. Let's see. So we are... But I do have an 11-year-old niece who, um, who is going to be very angry with me for, uh, for doing this episode. <laughs> 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 right, so if you go to... The kids are resourceful. They'll figure out a way around it if they really want to. If you go to Settings, Emergency, SOS, you can set up emergency contacts in health. So if you tap on that... Right. And then there's my personal information there. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can see what you can see on the social. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not on here. Yeah, that's too bad. So if I tap edit and then come down here to emergency contacts, if you just tap on the green plus, yep. add whoever you want. Yeah, I, I hope that first responders are trained to, you know, pick up a phone and, and hit the button because they, they can then get to the health ID stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure about that, but. Uh, I, I personally do have my I have my mom dad in there for emergency contacts. I think that that's you know I set it up on their phones too. Yeah, I mean the 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 find my stuff as well, which is also I think that's the other thing. Just having find my turn on find my iPhone find my whatever, so that you could track your kid in case something goes wrong. How how do you how, how do you set that up? Let's just go. You have to so set it's an it up iCloud, on there. Right? You set it up yeah, on their phone think, as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. If I go here, I'm just going to hold off on sharing the screen because otherwise, David's personal email. Yes. Yeah, so if you tap on your name at the top of the screen on the main page of right. settings, you'll go right to Find My. Yep. And then you'll see. Oops, that's the one. Find My iPhone is currently on. If you tap on that, that's where you enable it. Yep. So you could do that for your kids. I think that it actually gives you an option to turn it on when you're setting up family sharing and hooking up your kids' accounts to it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a really good idea to have on 
There have actually been times when I've used, I used that once. So here's a little story. When I was living on Maui, I had this bad feeling one day on Thanksgiving, and I thought something bad had happened to my parents. They were fine, but <laughs> I was just like having a moment. So I went on the Find My app and logged in with my mom's uh, Apple ID. And then I saw that their car was like on the road, maybe a mile from like the biggest hospital in our area, which is not near our house. And so I'm thinking, okay, they're both dead. But it turns out that they have friends that live over there and they were actually inside and left the, the phone in the car. But it is, you know, my motives were good. But yes. at the same time, that, that kind of thing, as long as if somebody has access to your Apple ID, they can go to iCloud.com slash find and start to find your devices and then find you. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. That's, um, I mean, there's good, there's pros and there's cons to this. Yes. So what are your thoughts on that? Are you someone who, who uses Find My or do you think that that's too high a price to pay for a security risk? Um, well, I'm, I'm concerned because if I were to ever lose my phone, that's, that's a lot of information on that phone. And to be able to find it, um, you know, is going to be invaluable. Now, I don't really go many places anymore. So the chances of me losing it or leaving it somewhere are probably pretty slim. However, I do lose it pretty much, I don't know, 15 times a day within my own house. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and that's, isn't it great to be able to, to ping it and find it? I mean, I use that more often for finding it in the couch than anything else. Um, actually, and, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, uh, I, I use uh, Alexa to just call my phone or I ask the husband, Matt, call my phone. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the find my stuff too is cool because you can erase your phone remotely or you could set it up with a passcode so that if they enter the passcode wrong 10 times then it just erases itself, I believe, which is one of those settings that can be enabled. So they are very secure, but to your point about, you know, is it as dangerous as stealing your wallet that you talked about in the beginning of the show? Really, Apple is trying to say, no more wallet, we're just going to use iPhones, and they're working yeah. with state agencies to create driver's licenses and that college ID cards and hotel room passes. Yeah, well, the driver's license might be a iOS 15.3. That's coming really soon. Where yep. that's just going to be on really? your phone. I'm, 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 I was like, oh, that sounds like a really great feature. I just have my phone and never need my wallet again. Then I thought more about it. Like, do I really want all of my information on my phone? And then my phone goes missing, and I have uh, you don't have your driving nothing. What if the battery dies? Like, <laughs> hey, sir, can I see your license and registration? I'd love to, but my yeah. battery died on my phone. Do you yeah. have a charger? Like. I, I just, I, I don't know if that's going to be the best option. And obviously there's going to be some lag there when it comes to training. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah. but I'm sure that, you know, people will learn quickly. Maybe it I, presents an opportunity for some fraud. I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Interesting. It, it could be. I mean, I, I, I personally believe and, and, and we're, we're getting, we're getting to the bottom of the hour, but I, um, I, I personally think that, um, that, you know, the wallet, Sorry, I totally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> That's all right. The way you said it was All these though. things are just running through my mind about the phone that, that that's what This is I'm what thinking. happens to me. At the end of the day, I can hardly put two words together. <laughs> the last thing I want is to look at another piece of technology at the end of the day. People come up to my friends come up to me. They're asking me questions about all this technology. What should I get for this? I'm like, the last thing I want to do, you know, but being... The magnanimous fellow I am. Well, I got a text at 7.30 yesterday asking for iPhone help. Did so, you? Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. It was the ring silent switch. It was set to silent yeah. instead of ring. So. It's, it's great when the, the help questions from friends and family are yeah. easy like that. Yeah. My dad, every year they go to... Okay, here's a security thing. Every year my parents go to Cape Cod. And every year my dad calls me because his iPad won't download his Gmail. Because Google has a thing that realizes, okay, he's at a different location than he usually is. It's probably a fake thing. And then I have to send him a link to the display capture unlock page for Google. And then he does it and it works. Uh, is there any way, in your opinion, for me to get my dad to remember that in the future as a professional? <laughs> Tattoo it on his hand? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know where they're going to find you know space for that you know, with could, all of his other passwords. You could, already you could get a bracelet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
yep. put it on them like that. And yep. Yep. Message. Take the post-it note off your iPad, Dad. Yeah. It's not security. That's not yeah. a good password manager. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. so so as we leave, um, are are there? So what would you say are the top three most important places to go on your phone and just spend some time in the settings so definitely, area? Definitely settings privacy tracking. I think is right. Let's let's actually show people sure. real quick, just so. So sometimes we speak a little faster yeah. than people. Yeah. So settings app, privacy tracking. I, I think really for pretty much everyone to just turn off that switch at the top of the screen. Yep. I'll save you a headache. Save you a headache. Yeah. They won't be able to track you. Okay. Uh, settings privacy system services. System services. Yep. So if you go settings privacy location services and then scroll down here, system services. We touched on that earlier and uh, pretty much just turn off everything except for emergency calls and SOS and find my iPhone. Right. And then I would say, I mean, most people, if there's anything that there's, you know, kind of sensitive about on their phone, it's going to be photos. Mm. So let's just go to photos under yes. settings, privacy, photos, and just make sure that the apps that have access to your photos are apps that you truly, truly trust. And maybe head into some of these. And what's the option called now? Like selected photos? So there is the option for selected photos where you choose there's right. all photos, all access, free for all. So and maybe none. change the ones that you don't use often to selected photos, mm -hmm. just so that the next time you open it, it doesn't have access to all of your photos. Sure. We're going to oh, add that's... that to our next uh, next privacy video. Yeah. And there's one more I would add, too. It's with web browsers. By default, they can track you across multiple websites. If I go back to the main page of the settings app, and I scroll down to Safari, for example. There's a feature called Prevent Cross-Site Tracking. You want to turn that on because you don't want advertisers, companies, to be tracking you across multiple websites as you're just browsing the web on your iPhone. Right. So if I'm on the CNN.com or yep. Fox.com or whatever, I'm not going to see ads for toasters because I was looking at them on the KitchenAid website. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> it's uh, it's it's uh, it's one of those things that. I don't like that everybody knows so much about me. So these are ways for people to not sacrifice functionality of their phone, but also just really protect their privacy a little bit more. And I think those those are the types of baby steps that can really, you know, lead to a more secure lifestyle. I, I think I'm going to have to have you guys on again so we can go through the Android. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about install unknown apps. We... <laughs> yeah, if we want to poke fun at an operating system, we should definitely talk about Android in terms of privacy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we were concerned that we weren't going to have enough to talk about, but I think we could have gone for another couple hours. Thank you so much for having us here. Thank you so much for joining. And there will be um, on, on the website and on the show page, you can follow all the links. Um, you can follow David and David. Please subscribe to their channel. You will not be disappointed. And join us next week for another episode of My Connected Life. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to My Connected Life. We have much more for you next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be careful with your data and your life. <laughs>